Man, the end of 2018, can you believe it is almost done? I looked up what happened throughout this year and uh, kind of put a list together of some things that stood out to me. Maybe you've heard of these things, maybe you haven't, but here's some of the things that I came up with. January 1st, Iceland became the first nation where it's illegal to pay men more than women for the same jobs. You know that happened on January 1st? Yep. January 21st was the first ever cloning of primates. I don't know if you knew that happened this year. January 31st was the super blue blood moon. Isn't that weird? That was almost a year ago. That's when the end of the world was coming, right? And we were supposed, yeah, Jesus was coming back. Well, he didn't. But March 24th, we had student-led march for our lives that took place in D.C., which is one of the biggest, like, high school student-led marches uh, after the Stoneman Douglas High shooting. April 18th, Saudi Arabia ended its 35-year ban on movie theaters. I don't know if you ever knew they didn't have movie theaters, but I'm going there now because as long as I can go see a movie, I'm good. Um, April 27th is when Kim Jong-un crossed over to South Korea. That was a big deal in the news. And May 19th is when Prince Harry got married to Meghan Markle. Who wasn't into that one, right? That was pretty cool. June 11, net neutrality laws expired, which I didn't even really know what that all was until this big deal of these laws expiring. And then on June 12th is when U.S. and North Korea summit, Trump met with Kim. June 24th, hey, it was a big year for Saudi Arabia. On June 24th, Saudi Arabia also let women drive for the first time in their history. Do you all know that? Women couldn't even drive there. So on July 10th, Thai Cave Rescue, which had a successful ending, if you remember when that happened with the kids in the cave. July 25th, something happened I didn't know about, but water was discovered on Mars. So I'll go to Mars now too, because there's water, so I'm good. Um, August 8th, floods in India killed over 480 people. September 6th, India also decriminalized homosexuality. So it was against the law and you were a criminal until September 6th. September 28th, Indonesia tsunami kills over 2,100 people. And then on October 16th, Canada legalized marijuana. Yep. November 8th through the 25th were the California wildfires that devastated our state. Man, what a year, huh? And I'm going today, right after this service, I'm heading up to Malibu to do a wedding and supposedly the restaurant where the wedding's being held is the only thing that survived around it. So I haven't been back to Malibu to see what's going on there, but I'm going there today and I spent a lot of time up there when I lived up in Ventura surfing and stuff, so it's gonna be interesting to go back there. But this is the tip of the iceberg stuff. I mean, so much happened throughout the year that we could look at. But what I wanted to do is just kind of look back at the year of what we covered here at Rancho. What we got together every week to talk about as we studied the Bible and hung out together, and hopefully we grew a little bit closer to our mission statement of being thousands of friends advancing the cause of Christ. And as I've looked through this week, through all the things, series we did and what we talked about, man, I really loved the things that we covered. And I do believe it's helped us to focus on that mission statement. First being thousands of friends. And we talk a lot about relationships and how to live into life together. 
but then also advancing the cause of Christ, of loving everyone everywhere, which is what our main focus was this year at our 50th anniversary. So if you're new to Rancho, this year we celebrated our 50th anniversary of being a church here in this valley. And if you weren't here that Sunday, or if you were, how fun was that Sunday with the big tent out there and just having the big party as we celebrated our 50th year? What a cool year. So we started with the Unexpected series. And Scott talked about this idea that Rancho, we want to be a place of unexpected thoughtfulness, unexpected thoughtfulness. And one of the main points that he made definitely is still the center of a lot of conversation. I've had a lot of conversation with people and it's created conversation because of what this point was. And this was the point that he made, that at Rancho, our goal is to be a learning community, not an indoctrination community, an inspirational space for a group to explore ideas around a shared goal. So that's kind of what our focus, the goal being advancing the cause of Christ. And instead of just being a place where we're teaching a group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically, we want to be a place where we can discuss, where we can disagree, and where we can find unity even in the midst of our disagreements. I remember this year was one of the times I met with a couple, we were just talking about some things, and they, she, they've been going to church their whole life, and uh, probably 30, 40 years going to church. And, and she had said, I remember, it was probably the second or third time we came here to Rancho, Scott said, now you don't have to agree with me on this. And I looked at my husband and said, what did he say? She says, I literally have never heard a pastor say that before. Like, you don't have to agree with me on this. It's a learning community. It kind of stemmed off 1 Thessalonians 5.21 that says, test everything and hold on to what is good. Well, what does it mean to test everything. And I really believe it's going to take being a learning community, a community that's willing to wrestle with the teachings of the Bible and how it applies to our lives and through our lives to this world. To really test everything, to really hold on to that which is good, we need to be a community that can do that. And that needs to begin with just us personally. We need to be able to be a community where we can focus not just on loving everyone, but for some of us, it's just really understanding that we are loved, that we're loved by God. And when we come here, you could be accepted and loved as well. And for some people, that may be difficult for them to feel that way. And so we, as we continue with this unexpected series, we talked about unexpected honesty that flowing out of that unexpected, thoughtful, unexpected thoughtfulness was honesty. And this was the point that we made, is that this is the invitation of Christ for us all to connect to an unexpectedly honest community, honest about our failures as well as our doubts. So that we could be a community that can wrestle through how we believe as well as maybe what we wrestle with in our lives and the struggles that we have. And we could be honest and that's what a learning community can create. Unfortunately, that's not always how we feel we could be at church. Maybe you feel the need to put on your best clothes, to put your best faces on and your best appearance. The appearance that everything is great, I have no struggles, I have no doubts, no problems, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, all is good, right? And that's what you feel like you have to do when you come to church. So maybe feeling like you could be honest 
with where you really are out in life, whether it be through, with struggles or whether it be through what you think about, maybe that doesn't even feel like an option for you. But that's what we want to become. That's what we want to be, a community that can live together and struggle and wrestle with stuff together. I've always loved this call we hear Jesus in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened. And I don't know what wearies and burdens you. What wearies you out? What burdens you? Maybe you're one that just gets really circumstances get you. Maybe it's fear of the past or struggles with the, um, fear of the future, struggles with the past. Maybe you're someone like me that that doesn't get me as much as what goes on in my head. What goes on in my head burdens me sometimes. Maybe you're more like that. You're like me. You wake up at two in the morning and just question everything. And it just weighs heavy. And you're just like, oh, uh, I hate nighttime. But whatever it is, man, so many. God, is, Jesus is calling us to come and we're weary and we're burdened and he'll give you rest. He goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus came to release us from burdens. The burdens of just allowing circumstances to get us or the burden of religious and religion and rules and the burden of earning our way to God by our actions or our absolute certain belief systems and just to come to him and so a thoughtful community of honesty about where we really are in our lives, whether it be in our actions or in our minds, can be such a powerful community, a place where you can really grow, really be honest, really begin to walk through life. To be honest, it could be a beautiful community. And that's why as we continued on with our unexpected series, we talked about unexpected beauty. And this is what we talked about there. We said, don't allow yourselves to be so focused on the circumstances that you miss something beautiful in today. Christ showed that our life matters and that can make today unexpectedly beautiful. My friend Daryl always points out to me that this is such a huge perspective I have that I always talk about this. And as I look through the year, he's right. I always talk about this idea. This idea about choices we have each day. Each day we have choices to choose what we will focus on that will ultimately capture our hearts and capture our minds. And I'm sure with a group this size, we have people going through terrible things and some people going through nothing big at all. The funny thing is, what I've found is that the people that I deal with that go through the hardest, most difficult circumstances usually are the ones that challenge my attitude the most. They're the ones that seem to be having the attitude that I wish I had. Man, when I don't have anything going on, I just find things to gripe and complain about. When something's going on, it's almost like we have to tighten our bootstraps up, right? And we gotta like stand and keep moving forward. It's just interesting how that happens. But it doesn't matter what we're going through, what we're not going through. We can choose and choose each day to focus on what we want to focus on. And we could have the tendency of focusing on the depravity and everything being terrible around us and look how bad everything is. Man, just look at what's going on in the news. I just want to tell you something. If you have your foundation of how you see the world and it's based on the news, you're going to be messed up. The news is usually just bad news. That's what it's about. 
It would be cool, wouldn't it be? Uh, wouldn't it be if, if like the news said something like, hey, news at seven, 100,000 people traveled today and they all got home safely. That wouldn't be news, would it? But that's the reality. That's the reality. We get so caught up in the negative and it can overtake us. I mean, it's Christmas. How bad, any of you guys had to travel on your, in your car this season? How terrible were the freeways? So many people. And I could sit there and drive for two hours. I drove for two hours to get to my family's house and it could be all fine. One person cuts me off and now I'm just condemning everyone. Everyone's terrible. No one knows how to drive. Look at them all. And all of a sudden I realized I had like 700 people go by me, not cutting me off, being nice, using their turn signal, but one person. And all of a sudden everyone is going to hell in a handbasket. At least I hope they do, right? That, that's how we face things. We can go to the mall and say, everyone's so mean. Really, how many people exactly were mean to you? One, but that was enough. You know, there was 10,000 people there, but we see the one. That's how we do things. And I want to tell you, it's more beautiful than that. I don't know if you remember, but when I talked about this earlier in the year, I talked about my 91-year-old friend who I meet with every month we try to have lunch together. He so encourages me because he's so positive. And I remember he shared two things with me back then. He said this, first, if things are hard for him, he gives himself five minutes to cry and complain and then he moves on. Five minutes. Try that one this year, right? Something's hard, five minutes. And I know this guy, he could probably cry and complain pretty good for five minutes, I assume. The second thing he said is this, every morning when he gets up to go to work, he's 91, and yes, he still goes to work, he gets in his elevator, he presses the button, and he recites the Lord's Prayer. And he has it where he can recite it exactly to where he says, amen, the door's open, and then he says, it's time to enjoy whatever comes his way, to see this day as beautiful, that's what he told me. What a perspective. It's a choice we have. I love Philippians chapter four, says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let beauty capture you today. Let beauty capture you. It's there. For some of us, it might be a fight to begin to look at it. It might be a fight to begin to see it, but it's there. And if you can begin to see the hundred people that don't cut you off, the thousands of people that aren't mean, you can begin to see something differently and it can make a difference in your life. And my friend Daryl would definitely kill me if I did not mention Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And that's the way we want to see things. And when we focus on that, it can make a difference. We then focused on a series called So It Begins. And it was after Easter where we talked about the resurrected Christ and how the life of Christ can empower ours today. We looked at subjects like failure and suffering and emotions. I don't want to tell you right now, quick side note, if you have only been here for a short time or you've missed a lot on Rancho.tv or on our podcast and our app, we have all the sermons. You can go start January and just have a bunch of fun listening to every one of our sermons. They're all on there on video or podcast. So go check them out. All these things I'm talking about, we've talked about throughout the year. But one of the issues I find that I face with people a lot that seems to cause us to not be able to see the beauty is broken relationships. 
Broken relationships can just really cause us to really struggle with seeing the beautiful beauty around us or the feeling of being rejected. And we have so many places that have broken relationships and feel rejected nowadays. I don't, I don't any longer just need someone to reject me. I just need them to not think about me or in social media, right, to not like my picture. And all of a sudden, I can feel rejected because I didn't have everyone like my picture. We just are setting ourselves up in so many ways. I've had people come up to me at church and go, why didn't you accept my friendship request for Facebook? And I'm all, dude, I probably got 4,000 of those. I don't good on Facebook. But I, they were hurt. And I, as though I purposely said, not that person. Yes, not that person, right? <laughs> Maybe I did. Some of you here I did, but not to this particular person. But it's a big deal. So we got to teach on resurrecting from rejection and, uh, and found that since then, I've had so many discussions with people about this. And this is one of the points that really seem to stand out, that the pray to focus on how you treat others more than how they treat you. And man, I think about how I pray when my relationship is not going good or someone rejected me or hurt me, man. It's like, okay, God, strike them dead and my life will be better, right? Change everything, get it figured out. And instead of praying that I would focus on how I treat others more than how they treat me. And I believe one of the most beautiful truths is how much we have the opportunity to make a difference in others' lives, and so many people, and I understand it, it's real, it's true, it's deep, but we can allow our failures and our struggles and our broken relationships to get us to stop believing that. It's like the car, right? Like the one guy of a thousand that cut me off. As soon as I have a broken relationship, I can just start thinking that all my relationships are broken. As soon as I feel rejected, I just feel everyone's rejecting me. And it could be the same thing, what we focus on can take over our lives. And I just here to encourage you to not lose the belief, to not give up in believing that your life matters and can make a difference today. Because it can, it can. Don't ever think that you don't have an opportunity today to impact those around you. And it's not just about how this belief impacts them, but how the trust that you can impact others and live into that can actually change your life, can impact your very soul and heart. Colossians chapter three is a verse I've always enjoyed. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So this kind of gives us God's picture of us, chosen, set apart as holy and dearly loved. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, above all, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. A year ago, this very weekend, that was the verse I told you guys was like my 2017 verse. It was that one. And since then, a week has not gone by that I don't open someone up to that and show them the power of having Christ rule and reign in your heart when you focus on how you treat people instead of how they treat you. That as you begin to clothe yourselves with these things, you're allowing Christ to rule instead of everyone else ruling over your heart. 
based on how they treat you. And that's a powerful place to get to. And this led us into looking at the life of Jesus. We had the long summer series called The Life. And throughout the summer, we considered his life and the things he did and how these ideas and teachings he established could impact us. Everything from his baptism to his temptation, how he welcomed children and women into his life. We looked at how he healed on the Sabbath and stood against the religious and political leaders of the time. And we considered almost every week on how he dealt with sinners, how he forgave them. Did not condemn them and set them free. We looked at John chapter 8 when the, very, the woman caught in the very act of adultery was thrown at Jesus' feet with the religious leaders and the men in the village with rocks ready to kill her. Asking Jesus what would he do and he says, he who is without sin can cast the first stone. And one at a time from the oldest to the youngest they dropped their rocks and they left. Then it was just Jesus and her. And he says, does anyone condemn you? And she says, no one. And neither do I condemn you. Now let's stop the adultery thing. You don't get yourself in this situation and go and be free and he invited her into life. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. And this is, this is kind of the point that was made is that the life of Jesus teaches us that freedom is not judging others, but it's found in loving others, even our enemies. That that's true freedom. Talk about believing that our lives matter. How we treat others can make an impact. And here's what got me the most. Here's what challenged me, at least personally. I was challenged by who I call my enemy. Who do I call my enemy and why? It seems like we look at people who might see things different than me or believe something different than me or have a different background than I do as my enemy. This can be religiously, this could be politically, this could be lifestyles. Now we choose people to be our enemy because they're different than us. I know people that can hardly even be friends with people from a different political view. And they're their enemy. And I started thinking about who's my enemy because we live in this volatile time of the us versus them mentality. And anyone that I consider a them, I can have the temptation to see as my enemy. And as we went through this and throughout this year, I realized I don't have any enemies except for ones I choose to call my enemy. I mean, it's not like on my street, there's the McCoys over here and the Solomons over here. You know, and every day I walk out, I need my shotgun to make sure if John comes out that I get him before he gets me. I don't have anything like that. So I'm choosing to call people out as my, different political, different religious belief, different this, different this, different background. My enemy, we kind of treat people that way. We need to be careful because Jesus' life challenged me on that. Who do I call my enemy and Why? Look at Romans 14. This is a verse we looked at. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. I mean, we have 25,000 different denominations because we love to judge disputable matters, right? I don't agree with you. I'll just go start another church and get people on my side. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak is a vegetarian. No offense to you vegetarians. <laughs> But I, I use this on my kids all the time. But, but this seems, we laugh at that, but this is a serious deal to them. It wasn't vegetarian, vegans, and paleo. It wasn't like that. It was literally 
people that felt it was against God's ways to eat anything sacrificed to idols. And man, you would be eating judgment into your life. And so you had these like Jews that had this like idea. And then you had these Gentiles coming in going, we eat anything. It doesn't matter. And so this was an area of contention. It might seem weird to us because we're past that, but we still find our ways, right? We still find our ways to point finger at people that are different than me, and they're my enemy. Look what he goes on to say. He says, the man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. So the dude that's eating all the food and not worrying about it is looking down on the... You can't eat this. Well, you don't even understand what grace is, right? And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. Well, you think you can eat everything. Well, you are going to be condemned by God for that. Man, for God has accepted him. It's like God's accepted both of them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? It's like I got my stuff so figured out, my life so in order, my system of belief so perfect that anyone that doesn't think like me must serve some other Jesus. Uh, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls, and this is the part I like, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. God will figure this out. That has been such a challenging verse for me. It's rocked my thinking and challenged the ways that I look at others that might see things different than I do. And even those in the Christian life that do it differently than I do. I mean, who did Jesus go after the hardest, you know? <laughs> it wasn't the sinner. He showed love and grace and mercy to them. It was the overzealous religious leaders who made it so difficult to come to God because he had to jump through their hoops to get there. And I don't want to be one of those, and we don't want to be one of those places. And I was reminded in the middle of this whole deal with this woman caught in adultery, he gets in this dispute in John chapter 8. Really, the, what he deals with with her is good, but what he deals with when they come after him is, even, is really good. And he ends in John 8 with this, where he says, if you hold to my teachings, you really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We're not just being, it's not just talking about being set free from our sins, but because, and we are, through Christ, we, we see, through his work on the cross, he put on display the depth of God's forgiveness. We got that. But he also sets us free from needing to judge other people's sins as well. So as I've been set free, I'm now free to not have to judge, but I can love. And I can begin to really erase, in a lot of ways, this word enemy in my head. And love people. You see, Jesus came to establish his kingdom reign now and forevermore through his life, death, and resurrection. He declares us loved and forgiven and set free so that we can now be empowered to see others through his eyes. We can see others through his eyes. That's why throughout 2018, as we've been celebrating the 50th year anniversary, we've had the slogan, loving everyone, Everywhere, And now when you drive out of this place, that's what you're going to see on the wall, right? You get to see every day you have to drive there going, burn it. And as the person comes shooting through the yellow light, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love everyone everywhere. This has been this common theme throughout 2018. Remembering the last few months as we did this count me in. Remember a couple months ago we did count me in where our goal is to send a million dollars out of these walls into the community and around the world. 
This offering we did at the candlelight service went to this fund. And during that series, one of the points we made is we're doing this. We want to send this money out because we want everyone to know they're loved. And we consider Jesus fulfilling the promise of Isaiah. As Jesus came and fulfilled that promise in the book of Isaiah of the coming Messiah, the coming king, he began his earthly ministry in Luke 4 by saying this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He's quoting from Isaiah. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the kingdom we are a part of and that we're advancing. Freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to declare the Lord's favor through Christ that is available to everyone. That is why judging and condemning should not be our focus, but loving everyone everywhere should be. This was the point that we made. As followers of Jesus, we are to see those in the world around us, not as our enemies, but as those to whom the Lord's favor is available. Is that how you look at people? Is that how you see them? And it's through us. It's through us as church that the world should be seeing his favor that's available to all. That's what they should be seeing. So last year, my verse was Colossians chapter three. This year, no doubt, as I look back, probably the verse I've quoted more than any verse is 1 John chapter four. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Why? Because no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This sums everything up, at least in my heart and mind from this year. No one has ever seen God, but God will be seen through us loving everyone everywhere. This has deeply challenged me throughout 2018 and I hope it continues to challenge us into 2019 as we move forward. This is the cause of Christ. This is what we get to be a part of. And this will not just change the life of those around you, it could actually change your life as well. So we're gonna close 2018 as a church, at least today together, by everyone standing up as we close our time together, reciting the creed that we spent about five weeks on. And just this, this narrows up because it all has its foundations in Christ. Everything has its foundation here in Christ and what he came and put on display. He's the one that taught us what it looks like. And that's why we see things the way that we do. So together we're gonna say this and repeat it one last time in 2019. Here we go. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
I just pray that this coming year for you would be a year of just seeing the beauty of being loved by God and being empowered by his Holy Spirit to learn what it means to love everyone everywhere. Father God, thank you for your example that you showed us through Christ that radiated your glory, that showed us who you are, that showed us that we are loved and forgiven and our hope is way deeper than we can ever imagine. And may that empower us into this new year to learn what it means to love everyone everywhere, that your kingdom might come and your will be done in and through our lives and in and through this church as is being done in heaven. For your glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen.